0: Welcome to the United Voice Oklahoma podcast where we are practicing the art of kindness and civil discourse and authenticity and storytelling. Our goal is to foster a healthy dialogue about race relations in our community.
1: We seek common ground for common good and hope these conversations encourage you to build authentic relationships outside your race or comfort zone. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the United Voice Oklahoma podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to United Voice Oklahoma podcast. I'm your host, Waylon Cubitt, uh, and we have kind of rotating hosts coming in. But today I'm going to be joined by our uh, confident, fearless, consistent producer, Mark Narens. And, uh, And so we're going to go into part two of the conversation with my dad, artist Cubitt, uh, as we kind of celebrated Black History Month by not celebrating the common names that you know, but just uh, giving those local heroes, one that's a local hero to me, uh, and what they kind of deal with on day to day. So we're trying to encourage you, at least I am trying to encourage you to think of Black history as a 365 things, there's heroes in every family that you meet. So yeah. Mark, are you ready for
0: this? I am. Yeah. And and so if, if you listeners out there didn't listen to the previous episode, just go back because you'll understand a little more of the context of, of how uh, Will and, and ended up interviewing his father for this. And um, if you can just prep us real quickly, like you're yeah. you're we're going to pick up right in the middle of a conversation where you started asking him about law enforcement and his view as a black man in Oklahoma of when you were growing up of law enforcement. And so, uh, just from your perspective as a, you know, a police officer, what do you remember as a child about your view or what he instilled in you as the view of law enforcement? If it's not spoiling too much of the,
1: yeah, yeah. I won't spoil it, but I, but I thought that his, uh, his idea of law enforcement would be a little bit more, uh, in line with the cultural views, but I'm glad he didn't. He was, he, he, he respected law enforcement. He didn't, uh, teach me to fear them or scare them. He didn't give me a sit down, direct talk like so many of my uh, relatives got. And so I had a really open mind about law enforcement, thank God, or maybe I wouldn't have chosen that as a profession. But this interview, people should know this interview came about because uh, I noticed that my father through his stories was experiencing on a lot of the same uh, obstacles that the people that we celebrate during Black History Month experience. And so I thought, that you know, I wanted to interview him to so to, to so that I recognize that my kids recognize the reason why we always celebrate uh, historical figures in Black history, and not just one month uh, of the year. It's because we have them in our own families, and so that that inspired me to interview him and try to figure out you know what he went through and how he, he became the man that he did, and set me on the path that I'm on. So that's what you're gonna to listen to, part two of that conversation.
0: Yep, absolutely. Let's go into it and we'll, we'll wrap it up here at the end.
1: Going back to your early years in Oklahoma City, talk to me about what you thought about our police department, the one that I work for now, the police then, your relationship with the police, any run-in with the police, uh, and, and how race might've played a factor in the way you, you engaged with police around here.
2: You know, I, I told you this, over the years I never, thought about it like this at the time, back in the early 60s, at the time I didn't think about it. But I had to walk around with a check stub in my pocket, so in case the police stopped me, I could prove that I had a job. Because if you didn't have a job back then, they took you to jail. They took you to jail for vagrancy,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that's what you went to jail for, vagrancy. You didn't do nothing wrong, you got, you didn't do nothing wrong you got put in jail for being unemployed.
1: Now was but, that a, was that, you think that was for a? a
2: that was for black people only. Okay. They did that for, they did that to black men. And what they did, they used you for for free labor to keep the jail clean and stuff like that. That's what that's what you did. You got on vagrancy. That's what you did until the Supreme Court ruled that it that was unconstitutional to put people in jail and you have
1: and, and so you just made sure you always and so i don't know if you taught me this or not but i do remember after getting a job i was working down at, in norman at central state hospital remember when i worked mm-hmm. down from Central State hospital and i remember uh throwing away like a thick thing of pay stubs i carried around pay stubs with me mm-hmm. but i don't remember where i got that why was i always carrying around pay stubs well, maybe
2: well, <laughs> when i carried i carried pay stubs and that's the reason why I carry a face stuff. Because if the police stopped you back then, yeah. you had to you had to prove that you were employed. Right. If you couldn't prove you was employed, then you went to jail. And that just that it just that that was that bad. But uh see, at that time we only had a handful of black officers. And they were mostly uh, down on 2nd Street and in the black neighborhood. But I don't care what. Happen, you know, if a white man come through there speeding, he couldn't stop him and give him no ticket. The black officer then, 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 then arrest white citizens
1: or write tickets to him or Uh, or give
2: him a ticket or nothing like that. That was that was a no no. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: What was uh What was uh So you weren't scared of the police or I, I was
2: never scared of the police. I, I was never scared of the police. I always thought, thought that uh, uh, i run across some nice guys who was in the police department. And uh, as an example, as an example of you, little boy, we were going, I was taking you somewhere. To, it was your birthday. And we was on 30th and Northeast 30th Street. We stopped at 30th and Farnsfield. There was a stop sign there. And uh, I moved. Uh, I stopped at the stop sign, but you had to go past the stop sign to see what was going on the, the street uh, coming from the from the south. And the police pulled me over right there at 3rd and Prospect, and he made me get out of the car. You made me get out of the car, and search me. And you asked me, said, "Dad, why did he do that?" I said, "I don't know, but he searched me, and I didn't do anything. He said, I run that stop sign." He gave me a ticket. I went to court, and the jury said, I went to Northeast High School, and I know what you're talking about. The case dismissed. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. the uh-huh. case dismissed. Because you fought the ticket. Yeah, I fought the ticket. Mm-hmm. I went to court, and I fought the ticket, because I didn't feel like I did anything wrong. You didn't know, you you was in the back seat. You didn't right. feel like I'd done anything wrong. You standing up there in the back seat. Well, mm-hmm. Dad, why did he search you? why did he make you out of the car? And make me put my hands on top of the car while you search me, right? And, what's, uh,
1: the, what, what's the? What's uh, the? Uh, you you said. Here's another rule that you gave me. Uh, no, you didn't give me this rule. You ch- you you taught me to always look a man in his eyes.
2: Yeah, don't to look hold that. my head up. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: would get would get. Uh, you would get a little forceful about me looking down talking to you. You want me to you want me to hold mm-hmm. my head up when I was talking to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also said a statement that, you know, when you was growing up you couldn't
2: look no, oh, you
1: oh, a white man in the face.
2: No, you didn't look a white man in the face. You looked down at him. You didn't look at him. You didn't call him no lie. I don't care how, how big a lie it was, you didn't call him a lie. Right. You tell him he was mistaken.
1: Why did you change from you having to hold your head down and teaching me and almost demanding me to hold my head up well, and look him in the eye, no you, matter who you,
2: it was? Uh, you already remember you was a you a man. You a man, you look a uh, one man, look another man in the face. Look him in the eye. You don't you don't drop your head as a sign of weakness.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's a sign of weakness if you can't look look another man in the, in the face in his eye.
1: Do you remember when you decided, was it nineteen sixty four? Because you always talk about nineteen sixty four and the Civil Rights Act. Was that when you decided you was holding your head up? But when did it change for you?
2: <coughs> it changed for me when I went to work at Dimco. That's mm-hmm. when I went to work at Dimco, and in, uh, in in order to to get some respect, I had to show those people out there that I was just as smart as they were. As they were, and it, and it was a learning experience for me, but I was able to talk to them and come to find out they started listening to me. Right. They, what I was saying made sense, and they were listening to me. Yeah. It's not very many uh, uh, guys out there come to find out. Most of them didn't have a high school education. Right uh they didn't have a high school education i had one guy work with he couldn't read or write he never went to, he only went to third grade
1: and he was hired before you
2: he was hired for me he had he was there 16 years when i got there
1: <laughs> it sounds so crazy uh-huh. i'm laughing because it sounds so crazy that uh-huh. it took a, a an act of congress so to speak to for two people to be hired at a place uh-huh. where they were hired. Uh-huh. And well, you, you had a high school diploma.
2: Yeah, I had a high school diploma, and then that's a, you know, it was a. He himself gonna look down his nose at me. I could read and write, and he couldn't. Right. He would bring he would bring stuff to me to read. Uh, the instruction come to come to us of what to do with what we supposed to be doing. It was always the in then writing. He couldn't read it. I had to. I had to read it for him and tell him what to do.
1: Mm. Yeah. And so that's when you started saying, you know, there's mm-hmm. no difference.
2: No, that, that really no difference. They, they went. Most of those kids, most of those guys that worked there, they either went to U.S. Grant, Capitol Hill High School, or Southeast. That's where they all. That's where most of them went to school at. Right. And then they took. They had shop and stuff like that where we didn't have. And at my school, we didn't have that kind of vocational training.
1: Right. So you learned it all from I scratch. I learned it
2: all from that vocational training. Right. Uh, 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 training from right there. And this was a machine company that we manufactured from, take a piece of bar of steel and make the product
1: Yeah. from scratch. You, you talked about recently uh, what's really kind of prompted me to kind of have you talked about this during this month and right now is uh your good friend died last week uh Willie <coughs> and uh and I remember you talking about Willie but I don't really remember Willie per se so I assumed Willie was a black guy
2: no Willie was white yeah Willie was white he was a he was a man who did not see color Willie never saw color
1: and he worked for you he worked
2: for me. Willie worked, uh, he didn't work for me his, his entire tenure at Demco. He worked Demco like 35 years. I worked there 30 years. Mm-hmm. Willie was there when I started. Right. But he worked the second shift. And you
1: got promoted over him.
2: I got promoted over him, and uh, I got promoted over a whole lot of guys. And uh, they sent me, they sent me to school, they sent me to OU. Uh, uh, University of Oklahoma School to learn how to supervise.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: had to go there for six weeks. They sent me to the University of Texas to learn how to deal with people.
1: Leadership training. Leadership
2: tra- training, uh huh. Right. The University of Pittsburgh, leadership training. Yeah. So I was never uh, uh, I was educated in how to handle. People, people. Mm-hmm. how they mm-hmm. are people,
1: right? And so, and so, what made him so special? In, in, well, in, in,
2: Willie was a person that he was always there. Willie never missed. He was always there. He never complained about what you asked him to do. Yeah, he always did. You know, he was a he was a trained machinist. Is what Willie was. He was a machinist. But if I wanted Willie to do some manual labor no problem he went on and did it he did whatever I asked him to do and he never ever complained
1: how did y'all become friends if you're his boss well
2: we was we uh I don't know we just just got to be friends <laughs> Willie and I just got to be friends cause uh, I used to walk up to a machine and he'd be there working and and I talked to him for 15-20 minutes at a time uh, then he asked me to come out to his house one time. I went out to his house, met his family, and all, and uh, uh, I took you out there once, as a little boy. Right. And they just fell in love with you because they had two girls, they didn't have no boy.
1: Right. Why? Why did Willie? Did Willie advocate for you as the black supervisor, or did he? Or did, did he didn't? Oh, oh, Willie
2: was Willie was the type of guy that that he wouldn't let nobody misuse me. He wouldn't do it. Now, uh, Willie's gonna speak up on my behalf.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We had anything going on negatively. Uh, Willie gonna speak up on my behalf.
1: It, was there any risk to him doing that?
2: No, no. Willie never gonna. Uh, Willie was never gonna get fired. Mm. Never, because Willie worked twenty five years, never missed a day.
1: Right. Right.
2: He never missed a day. And did he,
1: you think he got in trouble for being friends with you, or he had? Did he lose friends? No, well, it was we'll a tell, crazy. It seemed uh-huh. like it's crazy to have to be the first black there. All these whites, 1964, forced to do that, and now this white guy is befriending you.
2: Yeah, well, see, see Willie, I had worked there ten to twelve years before I really got to know Willie because Willie worked nights, uh-huh. I worked days, and uh, uh, Willie was working. When I got to be a supervisor, Willie was working nights then. Then I then I'd go back and talk to him because uh, he ran the same machine on nights that uh, and he ran that same machine for twenty years. Mm-hmm. The same machine for twenty years. And uh, but I uh, I talked to Willie and and uh, me and Willie got along so good. You think that we was a uh, willie was black
1: (laughs) or you was white Uh
2: (laughs) but he didn't willie didn't see color right and his wife his wife and his daughters they was you couldn't find a better family his mother i knew his mother Uh, uh, i used to go out there and his mother was living with him and i knew her and when his mother died i was right there with willie when his mother Mm passed and he said he all of his friends, I was the only one there, the white friends. I was the only one there at his mother's funeral.
1: Hmm. We had so Walter Brown. Yeah, and Walter Brown was another one of your friends, uh, mm-hmm. uh, a black friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you talked about you, uh, uh, Willie, and Walter Brown, all, all them co-employees. Going to the funeral of your boss, the one that hired you, to promoted mm-hmm. you to uh, yes. thing. His name was uh,
2: Spence. Wendell, Wendell Spence.
1: Right, and as a, I remember his name as a as a kid, and I do remember uh, it, what it seems like the a typical, the dadgum bosses on me kind of conversations mm-hmm. as you talked about Spence. So I didn't think, but you said something uh, about Spence. You 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 pointed out to me that he was a special
2: person. Oh yeah, he was he was a man. He was a man that believed in treating people right. Now, he did not, he treated me just like he did all the, his other, matter of fact, I think he treated me better than his other supervisors. Because, you know, you, you get to know a person when you work with them daily. See, mm-hmm. I was, uh, my office, he and I shared office together.
1: Talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an interesting story. Yeah, he,
2: he and I shared office together. And it uh, seemed like everybody was scared to talk to me because he and I shared office fields. See, we could sit, his office was, he could sit over the whole plant from his office. And by me sitting in the office too, I could look, see the whole, see what he's seeing.
1: Right, and but uh, you said that, it, that was intentional about why he put you up there.
2: Oh, that, that was tension. They thought that uh, there was other guys wanted that job. There was other people wanted that job, but he came to me and told me that there was gonna be a a position in opening up. Are you, would you be interested in it? I said, what is it? He told me what the qualification was and all that. He said, said, I'm gonna write the qualification to meet you, your skill. Nobody else can, can, won't, won't be able to qualify. He said, I, got to, I have got to go ahead and interview all applicants. I got to interview them. Said, but the job is yours if you want it.
1: Mm-hmm. And he didn't, And he told you to keep it secret?
2: He told me to keep it secret. And when I signed, the, when I signed up for the job, they was going to post the job on the board. And if uh, not to sign it up there in the plant, sign it in the warehouse somewhere out of the way place and wait till the last day.
1: when I think about that that because I've known I've I've worked in uh for a long time and it seems like if they know maybe he was doing that because if your your paperwork wouldn't go through or they'll Mm -hmm. find something wrong with your paperwork but by not giving them no time to deal with Uh it by going the last day it kind of sealed it that it would get to him
2: oh as you see uh, they was they was I'm thinking that he was he had written the job description to fit me right nobody else had the experience that he was calling for but me. Right. There, a lot of them was was uh, would, would have made good supervisors and all, but they were, they didn't have all the experience that I had.
1: Not by the job description. Not the job, job description. <laughs> right, right. by the job description.
2: Right. And then I was one, I was one, I was good at training people. Uh, I was good at training people and Uh, They sent me uh, to Kansas to train people at another plant in Kansas and stuff like that, and it it was very successful. Right, I was very successful. So,
1: so Spence by doing that changed the whole trajectory of your life. Oh, he
2: did. He he did. He made me hear. uh, He told me. He said, "Look, I'm gonna the the pay rate is gonna be is gonna be low to start with." He said, but don't worry, I'm going to take care of you. My very first review, he gave me a $10,000 a year raise.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he gave me a
2: $10,000 year raise, and that was a big jump. Yeah. That was a big jump in 1970. In 1975, that was a big jump.
1: Right, right.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making, I'm making $20,000 a year in 1975, <laughs> By 1980, I'm making $20,000 a year. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: No, oh, that's good.
2: Yeah, I was making, see, I, was, I took the job making $1,200 a month, $1,200 a month, uh, no, it was $12,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And when they gave me that $10,000 raise, they put me up to, to $22,000 a year, back in 1977. And that was, a, that was a big jump. Right. Yeah, that was a big jump in salary.
1: And, it, and, and for me and my sister, uh, and I won't speak for her, but I can tell you for me that uh, it felt like, uh, you know, I watched Leave it to Beaver and I always talk about when people ask me to talk, they say, how'd you grow up? And I was like, I didn't grow up hard. I, I had my own room, my own TV. I, I grew up like the black Leave it to Beaver is what I, what I say. And so when you when you talked about what Spence did for you and how he changed the directory and not using color as something to push you back, but he used his influence uh, to 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 create a way for you. He didn't give it to you. You had to work. No. You, but but he gave you an opportunity. He
2: gave me an opportunity, but I had to I had to keep proving myself that I was could do the job. Mm-hmm. I could I could do the job, and one of the things they wanted they wanted me to do is to make sure that. The employees were happy. They wanted to make sure that that they didn't want no disgruntled employees. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's hard to have twenty or thirty people. Keep them happy. Keep them all happy. Right. at the Same time. Right. Yeah, I had some. I had some males and some females. Yep. I had. I only had uh, two black females. Right, and you know, at one, she was always late. <laughs> but she worked. She worked. She was a hard-working woman, and she had seven kids. I never forget. She had seven kids, and her husband had died. And uh, but she could never get to work on time. And 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 I told her that you know with with her tardiness that we was gonna have to do something. And I suggested to her that you, since you can't get here. In the morning at seven o'clock. Why not? Can you get here at at, at four o'clock in the evening? So you go on the, go on the second shift. You get here four o'clock in the evening. And that way, that way, you never be late. You got all day long to get up. <laughs> right. And she did. She took. That's what she did. That's what she did. Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I want to. I want you to. And I'm gonna move around. There's so many stories I, I want to have because I just want to capture this not only just for Black history, but I think it's history for our family. Just having this conversation with you. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, uh, I never had any kind of, like, uh, t- hate or, I was never, uh, I never was scared of white people or thought anything different about white people. I always, the, the, I, I knew about racism, I knew about all this kind of stuff, but when I was, was growing up, you didn't talk about the racism very much, you didn't talk about the struggle very much, You you did say... Hey, be careful! You know, you gave these little hints uh, that that I was black, but you never uh, raised me to think differently about uh, the value of my relationships with people because of their color. Oh you how, know how is that? Mm-hmm. How but, do we get to that? Uh, well,
2: you know, you, if you notice, if you notice, see, so you was raised next door to a family.
1: My best friend was white. Yeah, uh,
2: the next door to a family that were they were ultra. Uh, 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 they didn't liberal.
1: Liberal, yeah. They
2: were ultra liberal, and and they didn't see no black people. They saw people, and and, and that's the way, uh, uh, and that's how you grew up with Joy and Janie. They were they were your good friend. You didn't see no, you didn't see no color. They never saw color, but you did that.
1: No, no, they no, never
2: no. mentioned it. Well,
1: we never. I mean, we saw color.
2: Huh.
1: We like, I mean, we saw color uh but but we weren't you didn't you didn't let me think that they were bad people or superior no no because of their because of their color
2: no you know and, and y'all all went to school together, went to wood together, everything was the same and uh, uh uh but uh I never felt like that I never hated white people uh, uh anything like that and, and you know it was it was a uh, you would think, at some of the things I went through with, and seen happen to blacks, but I never, I never hated white people. They right. were, they were, they were. Uh, I said there were some good ones and some bad ones. You know, there was people that, there were people who, were, uh, who were, uh, uh, would, would use the N word a lot. But then on the job, they use the N word. I, uh, you know, rather than going around and getting mad and talking to them and confronting them, but I just let it go through one ear not the other one.
1: Right. You let your performance do the speaking
2: yeah, for you. Yeah. It. Yeah. I let one ear and go on the ear and out the other one. Don't don't let it bother because you'll be walking around mad all day long, and you can't do your job if you're not if you're mad. And as long as they did what I asked them to do, and that see see and that was a. Uh, That was the one thing Spence told me when I became a supervisor. Two things. One, I don't want you out there doing any physical work. Your job is to see that they do the work and do it right. That's your job. The only time I just want to see you doing some physical work is when you're training. Then the other one is don't let them talk back to you. you you don't let them talk back to you You talk back to them you suspend them did
1: he anticipate because you were because you were being the first Uh, black i was black
2: because there was going to be some that that's going to resist my authority right right and you dealt with that you knew it i dealt with that and they knew where he stood they knew where he stood because it had to go through him
1: right right and he supported
2: you and he supported me
1: that's Uh that's fantastic so I'm going to move ahead and try to finish, but, um, you have, dad, you have been, uh, amazing. It, just when I look back at every stage of my life, if I decided I was going to, uh, quit the football team and do this, you said, well, you got to finish. You don't quit nothing. You, you don't, don't have to play football, uh-huh. but you got to finish what you start. And so it, you supported every single decision that I made when it came to, uh, you know starting something new mm-hmm. uh and when i uh so when i decided i wanted to be a police officer uh although it wasn't popular in the black community to do that mm-hmm. you were 100 percent in I, you didn't if you doubted it or if you were scared about it or if you were apprehensive about it you didn't let me know uh and then uh every decision that i made as i changed and to do different work at the police department 100 percent supportive as i went from agency to agency you one hundred supported it, mm-hmm. and uh this last year was gonna be crazy because me and my wife we came to you and said, hey, we're gonna do something crazy that could impact the entire family and we wanted to get your your thoughts on it. We're gonna run for sheriff, and there's never been uh, uh somebody like me run for this uh for this for this seat that and I thought I had a good chance that support. That uh, you gave was has been fantastic. Here's my question when it when it relates to that: is what did you think about? Okay, my son is going to be doing something as a black man in in a in a town that's traditionally always elected a white male for this job. What what is your first thought about it? And then, what did you think about? After after going through that entire process all year long, all the work that you helped and all the things that we went through and how it makes you feel now, even after the loss.
2: Well, you know, I feel like that in every in every contest, there's gonna be a winner, there's gonna be a loser. Now, I didn't think I didn't think you were gonna lose. I thought that you had it one hand down, and if they had the voters had really went on on qualification. You would be sheriff now but i said well the voters split has spoken there's still another op- there's still opportunities ahead you know what uh uh there's setbacks and there's recovery you can <laughs> you can right. come back right let's mm-hmm. come back and i said i just hope i'm alive to see you come back and do it again but uh i felt like that you were uh you were disappointed. I was disappointed, and all of your supporters were disappointed, because we all felt like that you were most qualified candidate for the job. And uh, but you know, life goes on.
1: Right? Life did you goes ever? On. Did you ever think? Uh, what did you, did you ever think? Uh, like I was the first Democratic candidate uh, to get that far as a black man no 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 I, any I, race anything bother well
2: you know what what son if you had if you had been running against a white man i would feel like i would feel like that of uh, uh you was running on the wrong ticket uh I, I i wouldn't want you to run as a republican no i would i really wouldn't want you to mm-hmm. and uh i felt like that uh from some, some of the things you told me and some support that you had from some Republicans. and uh, But, you know, and I felt like that, that those people didn't come through like they said they were. Mm-hmm. And, and I just felt like that was uh, something that was, that happened. You, know, you oh, got 147,000 votes, that's more votes, and, and your name is already out there now. Right. So, you can come back if, you, if not as sheriff, as a, uh, a state senator, <laughs> no. uh, uh, something like that.
1: Yeah. Well, what do you, what do you, so what has it done for you uh, having gone through that? I mean, you've talked about your pride, you've talked about, uh, and I know you're a very prideful person, instill uh, that in, in me too, but what has it done to uh, going around town having to talk about your son who ran and lost?
2: Well, you know, uh, I don't, uh, people that said, yeah, oh yeah, well, yeah, your son, he ran for sheriff. Said, yes, he did, but he lost to the Republican. Well, he can do it again. He can come back. That's what they all say. Right. They, they uh, you know, uh, it's like any other game, son, that, oh, you're going to have one winner and you're going to have a loser. Somebody going to lo- win, somebody going to lose, so you just. Just rack that up as an experience,
1: right? Well, anything else you want to leave? I don't have any more questions about. But here, well, uh, i really I, appreciate.
2: I always uh, say this. that I would say that I'm I'm proud of you. You've always always come to me before you ever made any decisions as far as uh, uh, things that you want to do in your life, in your profession. You always come to me. But you never took a you never took an upgrade or, or make a move without first discussing with men and, and i appreciate that that mean that you trust my judgment
1: <laughs> right right so. well you, you you certainly i i can't say that i've always felt this way i've always followed your direction even though when i didn't agree with it or i didn't understand it i thought what is he doesn't know what he's talking about but i know now that you are the strong the the smartest wisest man on earth oh, it, on. It, to, i mean to me uh you know something about everything uh and so I know in black history i know in black history that we uh we are celebrating black history and we're celebrating a lot of leaders and 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 people that we hold high jackie robinson martin luther king rosa parks dot 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 but for uh me and many black people uh it's it's not black history month it's black history 365 to know that my dad uh, held his tongue, act like he didn't hear those things, working twice as hard, coming in early, doing all those things to make a way for me and my sister and my mom and the rest of our family, uh, to me, should never be forgotten. And so uh, I waited to the last day to, to, to post this black history uh, conversation with the person that's actually uh, gave me life and gives me life and motivates me, supports me and does all that kind of stuff and our family wouldn't be the same without him and so uh even though it's the last day of black history let me say conversations in cubit continues because of pioneers like this everyday pioneers our neighbors our 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 friends uh, and we can actually do relationship and so the man that taught me how to do relationship uh, you heard it from him is uh, there's hope he's always a hopeful person in the relationship he's not demonizing anybody by the color of their skin or or by what what the, the flavor of the month is uh, we can do better and i appreciate him for sharing his story and i appreciate you joining us here on conversations cubit share like spread the word thank you shout out but it's remember it's black history 365. so that is my conversation with dad mark and i hope uh, you enjoyed it mark i hope all our listeners enjoyed it. I I, it's going to be around forever. I'll be playing it for my kids uh, forever. uh, So they know, you know, uh, kind of pick up on his hopeful, optimistic uh, work ethic that he has all the time. And that, and he's really a relationship builder. He really is. He's a great conversationalist. He he knows a little bit about everything. It seems like he's the wisest person I know. And I think everybody says that about their dad once they get you know, into their, after they have kids, they go, man, my dad was really smart. But I'll, I'll tell you uh, one takeaway, if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, please From the beginning of that story, you know, I asked him how in the world, uh, when did he learn that he was Black and that Black had meaning in this world? And he told a story about realizing that when he had to swim downstream in the river from uh, the white students from the white school, that they couldn't they couldn't do that. That's when he, that's when he realized there was there was meaning. And recently uh, and in this episode, we talked about his support for me during the campaign and And we were riding in the car and I tried to get him to tell this story impromptu when I was interviewing him. But he didn't go there because I don't realize I don't think he realized how impactful that story was. Uh, this moment was. But we're riding in the car. And he was telling me how proud he was of the campaign that I that I ran
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, and him going into uh, a place of business like a tag agency. He went into a tag agency and the, the owner of the tag agency looked at his name as they were doing business and said, are you are you uh, any relation to that qubit that ran for sheriff? And he said, yeah, matter of fact, that's my that's my son. He said, but. He said, man, I know him. I followed his campaign. I voted for him. I contributed to his campaign. I'm so disappointed that he lost. And he's such a good man. And he just and he said, son, he went on and on and on about you. A white man that owned a a tag agency. And he said, I never even thought about it. Could you think about here is a man uh, uh, that grew up having to swim downstream from a white man because I I wasn't worthy of drinking the same water. You being in, in sharing the same river water with them, and now here's a man that recognizes me because of something my son did, and he said I couldn't be more prouder, and and I think that speaks to the progress that we've made, even though we can we have to acknowledge the work that we have to do, but it's not going to be done absent relationship, and so uh, my my dad underlined that when it when he inspired this whole conversation by talking about the deep love that he had for a man for 30 years that worked for him, who, who was named Willie name uh, that, that was white. And so I, I was pretty inspired by the conversation. I hope other people are too.
0: Well, that, thank you for sharing that story too, about in the car. Cause that it gave me chills and that's really inspiring. Like, like you said, who can know what was going on in your dad's head when he heard that, but I mean, that's what it's all about. That's really, that's really encouraging. And, and I think I can say as someone who, got to make a lot of your videos during the campaign. And, and he, that tag agency person is not on his own. There's a lot of other people who felt the same (laughs) way. who probably never, never met you or didn't know you because what you're doing is inspiring and what you're doing is um, encouraging the community and is, is an example. So we're lucky to get to have you continuing to lead and and do these conversations. And man, I'm glad we're just, this is only episode two of our new season of the podcast. So this is just kind of like the, the teaser almost. So I'm really Glad you're going to keep doing this with us. Um, and I will just say, since I've never gotten a chance to be on here, just a thank you to Waylon, because he's on his own free time volunteer recorded almost 40 episodes of this podcast for us. And so we're, we're just really thankful that you've taken the time, you and Cece, to um, last year to, to spend so much time getting these conversations out there. We're, we've never said it on the air, but we really appreciate it.
1: Oh man, well, I, I I really hope these conversations, like we always do, are are uh, encouraging and they build authentic relationship outside of our race and comfort zone, like we always say. And and so, man, thanks for thanks for doing all the hard work. I just get on here and talk, and that's what I like <laughs> to do. Anyway. I think I get that from my dad too. Matter of fact,
0: it's <laughs> a good skill, and you're good at it. Um, uh, so, we why don't you close us out? We'll be next time you hear from us, Waylon. will be with our uh, rotating co-host, Pastor Middendorf. and uh, you'll get to hear some from some more guests.
1: Well, as always, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week as we have an exciting new co-host and a nice new voice uh, on here. So as always, we're seeking the common ground for the common good. I'm Waylon Cubitt, your host for United Voice Oklahoma.
0: Thank you for listening to the United Voice Oklahoma podcast. For more episodes, subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you like what you heard, please take time to leave us a review and share it with your friends and family. It really does help us to get these conversations out to more people.
1: This podcast is a production of United Voice Oklahoma, one of the initiatives of the Stronger Together movement, and is produced by OKC Good and Reese Black. For more stories promoting a healthy relationship on race in Oklahoma, follow United Voice Oklahoma on Facebook or visit UnitedVoiceOK.org.